Welcome to OU Live. My name is Rabbi David Pardo. I am your host. We have an excellent lineup tonight. I'm very excited. Stick around a little for in a little bit from now. We're going to be talking to Bethany Mandel about the Kosher 19 initiative and uh, some other fun stuff. She's a fun person to talk to. In the meantime, I'd like to welcome Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn. Rabbi, are you there? I am here. I'm here. Rabbi Shlomo Einhorn is the oh I uh get your there you're now you're actually here you are the dean of yavne fond memories for for me growing up in la well, i guess we switched switch spots at some point yes um how how's uh how's la now i mean i i hear from my uh my folks and my in-laws but uh talk to me from like the uh the, the shul school perspective well, thank God, Baruch Hashem. Love Los Angeles. I was born and raised here. And while I was in New York on the Upper West Side, I had the opportunity to come back to the um, school up in. And um, it allowed me to pursue both my passions, which is uh, to be part of a shul and to be part of a school, yeshiva. And that's the Avna community. Both of those are just part of one organism. And it's, it's amazing. I love it. That's why I'm here. Um, I'm a little jealous. Uh, definitely every, every day my wife, uh, points out the rain and, uh, we haven't had snow actually. So, uh, but, the so, the raining in the summer is like a, a weird thing. It took a while to get used to. Well, we're all equal. We're all indoors now. It makes no difference. <laughs> <laughs> the view is the same, right? Yeah, the view is the same. Exactly. So, um, a lot of people, I, I mean, at least in my circles found out about you when you did this crazy 24 hour shear, um, straight. It was 19 hours, 19 hours. 19, I'm sorry. We did one 18 and then we did two years later, 19, where we're going slow, slow pace. <laughs> That's, you know, a little bit at a time. Okay. So yes. you did a very, very, very long shear as a fundraiser and you raised a good, uh, a nice uh, boatload of money uh, for a good cause. So you have, you have like a great record on uh, creative moonshots, Hail Marys, probably can't call them Hail Marys, moonshots. So <laughs> what other projects have you done that have uh, just, you know, come out of nowhere and, and been really creative and, and out there. Um, okay. So I, I, you know, I used to run a ton of them and I'll tell you my shift. And I think this will be illustrative for our, our conversation. Um, you know, I, I, first of all, uh, our, you know, the show I was part of was one of the first to do a, a candy land and simplest Torah. Now I know you're picturing a couple tables with candy, um, but the idea was to really make the whole place come alive. You can lick the walls. Um, the, the floor is rivers of chocolate. Um, to turn this into a full immersive experience. Um, we've done stuff like the Amazing Race Shul Edition where everybody and you know was riding out to different parts of the city, different parts of the state and ended up back in the back in the shul. Uh, you know, th there's, we did this thing called Soul Games for Shaduchim, amazing thing. I don't know, I, I don't know why I haven't done it again. Soul Games is where you break everybody up into groups randomly, you take, uh, you know, 40 single people, you break them up, you each sit there with a phone and you text back the host of the program, the person you like being in the group. And what happens is for the next round of games, whether it's Jenga or whatever, suddenly you see you keep being paired up in the same groups with the person that you're both texting about. So you inadvertently without realizing, oh my gosh, I keep ending up in the same group with this guy or with that girl altogether. So we had this thing called soul games and did stuff like that. Um, it's like, it's like J swipe, but in IRL. Right. Real life. Real time, real time, real life J swipe before there was J swipe, correct. So, you know, we're always trying to innovate and do stuff like that. And then it just dawned on me, just, you know, we did the 19 hour shear and, and you know, thought that was a new paradigm in fundraising. 
just the, the notion was just we have a certain amount we needed to get to in the yeshiva and I'll just keep going until we get there. You know, I'll just I'll keep going until we get there. And that was the idea. That was how it, actually the idea came about. My wife and I were in a conversation with somebody else and this person was talking to us on the phone and they didn't stop. They just kept going. They didn't take a breath. They didn't even stop for a single breath. And then it hit us. We're like, oh my gosh, this person's going to set the record for the longest straight conversation in history. And that's <laughs> hit us. Like, oh my gosh, we can do the longest. Year. This person do the longest conversation. We can do the longest year. Do it for something good, right? So you, you, you wait for ideas like this. You keep a little notebook. You try to wait for good ideas. You can't force them. Um, you know, Baruch Hashem, they, they come. They, by the way, good idea if someone's looking to create new ideas. What um, I'll do from time to time is I'll pop into a random bookstore. And you sort of just close your eyes and take a book from one end of the store and then close your eyes and take a book from the other end of the store. And then you put them both on the table and they're from opposite worlds. And op often a great idea will come um, from that confluence. So that, that's my next question, which is like, amazing. This is your list of great ideas. And I'm, I'm in a lot of these, you know, every so often, like a, it's either a rabbinic listserv or it's a WhatsApp or it's like a database or something like here are like great ideas that you can borrow, share from each other. And I'm just like, a, I'm a loser who's not creative at all. So it's, it's, it's so good. And Gishmak's like steal from other people. And you're probably one of these people who like, you're the givers and you know, people like me were the takers, but where, where, where does it come from? We're, we're all take No, we're all takers. We're all just mixing and matching in different ways. Everything has already been done or designed or written. It, it, one way or the other, it's just about mixing the notes in a different order. It's but, true. The Lion King was just a remix of Hamlet. What? The Lion King? Oh, very good. There you go. Exactly. All the ideas uh, I've been had. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so that's that's essentially that's essentially the idea. But but the key concept is to figure out what's what's hitting right now. And then instead of just copying it, use the Nakuda that's exciting about it. So for example, I'll give you an idea. I saw a poster for this movie called Gemini Man. I think it bombed in the end. It was with Will Smith. And I think it bombed in the end. But the notion was it was an older him fighting against the younger him. And I'm sitting there while driving thinking like, oh my gosh, what if I'm going to get killed for this? But this is really how the idea hit. What if the older of Soloveitchik could have a conversation with the younger of Soloveitchik? What if the older Lubavitcher Rebbe could have a conversation with the younger Lubavitcher Rebbe? I really was afraid you were going to say that. Like it was like, what? Say that, right? No, he said it. <laughs> <laughs> I said it. So actually someone, someone wrote to me, someone told my son, they're like, I see you have coming up in your shul, the, the Gemini shear. Um, he was like, what, what do you mean? But he didn't realize it was from this Gemini movie or whatever it is, but that's exactly, you got to look for those opportunities. It's like, God is putting them in front of your eyes as you're driving or wherever you are. And you just try to mix and match and then use it for, uh, use it for good service. And then that's how, that's how they come. So, so, which is a great segue. I, the thing that always kind of like gets me about the Seder uh, coming up, I, I think it's on my mind every year. And now I think I'm joined by a lot of people who are running Stardom for the first time in their lives. <laughs> I, yes. I imagine, I mean, like there's no way to count, but I imagine half the people in the, half the Stardom in the world are going to be led by, by first timers this, uh, this year. Um, yes. So it always bugs me that um, Pesach is a little bit, I, you know, in, uh, in LA, uh, Mori Rebbe, Rabbi Ari Kaplan. Course, yes, so he has, he has this great, great line. UCLA, UCLA. yeah. What is yeah, yeah. Like? He calls it uh, extended Kiddush. Uh, the what Hakada, do you mean? No, no. The, oh, the Haggadah is like a lot like extending. You know, like, you say Kiddush, you don't actually know what the words mean. You're just like, you know. You're just going. That's what Haggadah is for a lot of people. Like, you know, get through it or or like, let's go in circles or like, oh, but when it's really great, then there's a vort. You know, if someone has a vort, now it's it's really great. And like, I'm not anti-vortloch. I'm not <laughs> You My see, if you're, doing, if you're doing a Seder, like the old days when we were allowed out of our house and you're having 25, 30 people, 
you're right. You needed to think like that. Uh-oh, it's going to be this long, continuous kiddish, and no one's going to know what's going on, and then maybe you'll throw out a vort when you have it. So I need to therefore make a program like I'm on a cruise ship. And that's really how my wife and I design our Sadarim in the past. You got to make a schedule. Like we're going to break out a game at this time. We're going to go around the room and everyone talk about one thing they have gratitude for. The irony is actually this year, that's not what you need to do. Actually this they're year- small groups. You're a small group. And, and you have to remember also, all, most of these children haven't been in classrooms in a long time. Um, yes, they've been on Zoom, but these we all know the Zoom classes right now are a little bit of a balagan. They're not exactly where education needs to be. So it's not like our kids are coming from these long classrooms right now. They actually are ready again for a conversation. They're ready again to sit down and actually talk. And I actually think this year for the first time, you don't need to design a crazy, um, look, we're going to make ahead of time. We're going to make ourselves crazy ahead of time to make a Hollywood Squares Pesach Seder and everyone be in a different box somewhere in the house. It, you, you don't, you when don't, you say we, you mean you, not, not like the Jewish people, like specifically the Einhorn family. We, the parents, needing to find a way to entertain the, the children in the house or each other. Like, you know, we'll do ping pong in the middle of the Seder with the frogs. Like, you, you don't need to do that this year. There, there's... There's no one to be Makarov at your table except for yourselves. There's no one that needs um, that needs a, a, you know you know a complete step by step guide of what and how to do except for yourselves, and therefore you can just sit down and have a real seder. You could sit down and take it at the pace that you're all moving at. You can have conversations. You could bring out ideas. There's a beautiful vort from the Opta Revi and the opposite vort from the Belzer Revi, and they go together perfectly this year. The Opta Revi is on Pesach night. The same answers that the father and mother always gives. On Pesach night, our hearts are more open for our children. They're ready to receive it, okay? Meaning it's nothing new of the creative answers. It's that now they're more ready to receive it. The Belzer Rebbe is the opposite word. The first Belzer Rebbe, he says the entire year, um, our, our, we, our mouths were not able to give over beautiful ideas, but on Pesach night, we're able to. So he focuses on the ability that's opened up for the giver of the information. Dr. Rebbe focuses on a new channel that's opened up for the receiver of the information. Let's say Elu the Elu, and they're both right. And now you all could sit together and have a real conversation. You could have a real conversation around the table. What do you think about what's going on? Um, what do you think? How does this part of the Haggadah fit what's happening in the world in your life now? Tell me. And the children and everybody else don't have to take a back seat to all the other people you may have had or cousins that you rarely see or whoever else. It's now you're all just there in real time. So how do you do? I've had fascinating conversations about the nature of freedom and the responsibility. And I've had great, you know, sort of like digging apart text sessions also in my life, you know, in yeshiva, et cetera. But there's this like expectation to have both. Like, yeah, have this great conversation. What do you mean? We have to, there's, we have to read this thing. How do you how do you read this thing and also have these interesting conversations and do that before midnight or people conk out, whichever comes first? I, I would say I would pick a, I would pick you know ideas and then open it up. I would take for example Mitzrayim as in Mitzrayim constraint. Go around to your family to each one of you and say what's one thing that you feel is uh, you wish you didn't have that limitation but has been holding you back a little bit. Open those up for more general conversations. Yes, do you then keep reading the Haggadah? Of course you then keep reading the Haggadah, but you can keep an eye on words in the English or wherever it is that are flashpoint ideas that may relate to everyone around the table. Etzba um, Elohim, you're in the middle of reading all these psukim and you hear about the Etzba Elohim. But what does the finger of God mean to you right now in the world? Do you see it anywhere? Do you see what's happening right now outside as the finger of Hashem or not? Like, how do you see that? So every paragraph could do that in the Haggadah, no matter how dry, 
um, you know, you can do that. You can, if people really want to put the prep in ahead of time to, to make it interesting, you could just think of questions ahead of time that you don't even have the answers to yet. Don't pre-design the answers. If you have answers to everything and you know what you're going to say and you prepare long, look, you, you're losing the chance that you have this year, a real conversation. I think if you prepare long shirim at your Seder, I think you missed the boat. I think it's unfair to everybody there. I think it's really unfair. I think you should prepare the questions. Prepare the questions and let a conversation begin. If you need to, I mean, you could send them all around now looking through the 40 Haggadahs, the 60 Haggadahs we have, and let everybody dig and find their own answer now. Make it like an escape the room type thing. You want to move on to the next part of the Seder? You want the meal? Let's go. Find me an answer. Right? You can't get out. You're stuck here. You're stuck at Karpas for the next four hours until someone gives me an answer. So I, I think you can do like that. Let them, if there is an ownership over the answer, that's how it stays with them for life. If you're just going to throw at them what you saw online from this or that, it's it, it's not going to work. It won't, it won't mean as much. What do you do the other 22 hours of, uh, of Pesach? 20, 21, I don't know how long you're saying. In, in general or this year? <laughs> uh, let's say this year because... We're going to forget by next year. We'll have you on again. I mean, in, 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 you know, in this year, I think it's a great, it's a great opportunity. We're getting a lot of it for family time is a great opportunity. You're going to have to break up some of the board games. That's for sure. But Pesach night for me is always at the end of the Seder. I sit with my pile of Haggadahs, my pile of farm. I sit with hundreds of pages of printouts um, on Pesach. And I try to just collect as many great ideas as I can from them. Uh, to take me until I sleep. And, uh, and that's it. It's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of uh, playing games with the family, playing games with the kids, and just allowing time, space for, for the quiet. Um, there's a great idea that we're afraid that the, the silence, but silence itself can also breed tremendous creativity. And I think uh, a lot of great ideas are going to come out after Pesach because people are going to have had a chance to stop and think, which they haven't had for a long time. And you're actually going to have that now. There'll be nothing in the way. And I think, I bet you, watch this, right after Pesach will be a plethora of amazing ideas in our community, how to move forward after all this. You know, I, I, I keep saying this, uh, and I, I imagine you feel the same way. I, it's a dark time. It's an anxious time. There's people in, in my own community have already passed away. And, and I recognize all that, but I, I can't get past the fact that I feel in so many ways, this is a golden age for for so many kinds of creativity, just the um, the sorts of programs that are coming out, the shiurim, the how everyone switched to Zoom, how we're pushing shiurim out, like there's different ideas and and people are writing such rich things and yeah, the fact they, that you see real psak also, meaning our, our gadolim are actually paskening. I don't think Rav Shechter was was creating psak on on. I, I think it was oh. over. I think he he wasn't gonna you know pasken big shilas anymore, and now you're seeing it every day. I think Judaism has always, always lived on the line between both of those. The moments of greatest tsarists are also some of our shining moments, some of our greatest moments in history. Um, the whole, the whole, I mean, that's the Pesach night. We call it a Seder, and there actually is no order. We're reclining while drinking wine because we're free, but the wine is supposed to be red because it's the blood. Well, are we free or are we slaves? Are we happy and kings or are we, are we depressed? That's the Seder of the Jewish people. To, to live and dance in the mix of all this, of the up and down in one shot, is the story of our people. And the greatest, as I said, the greatest energy, the greatest productivity, the greatest creativity is going to emerge in the middle of a period that may even get darker. Um, it's going to come out from it. It's going to step into it. And we're going to have a... We're, to have more of it. And um, I, I agree with you a thousand, I agree with you a thousand percent. I do think 
this is a time, these Pesachim from Rav Shech are, we'll never forget this. Everything has changed forever for us. Now we know that people know how to use Zoom. We can give Shirim any time of day, anywhere. We can bring in any speaker we want from everywhere for our whole community to hear. There are no dates that are blocked off now in a calendar. Every day is now accessible for people to hear Torah anywhere in the world. So, and that's always been our, that's always, it's, it's rupture and reconstruction. When things start to rupture, that's when a Shulchan Aruch is written. Um, it's always, it's always like that for us. I couldn't have said it better. Sounds like an article needs to be written. I, I think you're onto like a title there. You got to yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Rabbi Einhorn, people want to find you online. They want to learn more from you, with you. How do they do that? Well, for right now, you can go to moretorahthanever.com where I'm loading all the uh, different shirm I'm giving over basic. Go to moretorahthanever.com. But the thing I want them to go to, um, I would love to send them to Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Um, I'm giving what's called the Shabbos Agadol Drusha of Kal uh, Yisrael. Uh, what that means is everyone could send in to me at rabbiahorn at gmail.com, their favorite Vartora, Torah, their favorite joke, their favorite song, their favorite, they write an original song. I'm going to take it all, put it together into one big drusha that represents people from all over the world. Um, that's this Thursday night. It'll be on Zoom. And uh, they can find me at rabbiahorn at gmail.com. On Instagram, Rabbi Einhorn, Judaism Alive, wherever, all these places, the same poster will be there. I don't need to say the Zoom like this, uh, but they'll be able to find me that way. Okay. Thank you, Rabbi Parda. Thank you so much. <laughs> Rabbi Einhorn, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your ideas. And I uh, can't wait for that. Shabbos a call, Joshua. Shkoyach. Call Tuv. You are on OU Live with Rabbi David Pardo. Actually, so I didn't want to be fnei Rabbi Einhorn, but I wanted to make a plug for a website that's officially launching tomorrow called OUTORA Now. It's OUTORA.org slash now. It's actually a posting of live shiurim. Um, imagine, you know, 10 something, 15 years ago, if you had uh, someone recorded a shear, it remained on their phone or actually not on their phone, it remained on their uh, MP3 recorder. And that's and that was it. But now you can listen to recorded shiurim from all around the world. Now, actually, people are creating live content all around the world all the time. And if you want any hour of the day, you can jump into a live shear. And we're collecting all of them. They're being posted with Hashem on oetorah.org slash now. I also wanted to plug next week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, we're hosting uh, how to make your Seder more than Beseder. So if you're hosting a Seder for the first time or for the nth time, and you want guidance from the masters how to make that Seder a little bit more than extended Kiddush. So tune in 1.15 p.m. We'll be sending out uh, the Zoom link. We'll be sending out the info on Sunday. God willing, we have Rabbi Foreman. Monday, Rav Ramon. And Tuesday, we have Rabbi Yudin, uh, real all-stars. And uh, if you uh, join, God willing, we'll really take your Seder to the next level. Now, I would like to introduce my next guest, Bethany Mendel. Bethany, you there? There we go. Hey. Hey, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Thank God. Good. Welcome to the show. Bethany, you, you are an author, a political commentator. You are, you, uh, you're published like just about everywhere. And you're also an outspoken mother of four. Is that like a thing one can say? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it is, my, it is my full-time job, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the other stuff is a, is a side hustle, but my full-time <laughs> job is, is mom. Job and a half. Yeah. Uh, the four Irishest Jewish kids on the they planet. They are. So that's so it's accurately inaccurate. I have three very Irish children. Okay. And then one child who is 
Ashkenazi. I have three redheads and then I have one crazy, but my, the one who doesn't, who looks Ashkenazi acts like a drunken Irishman. So they all sort of like, they even out. God, I have to, I have to ask, do they sleep with pillows? <laughs> mm, two of them do. Okay. So uh, Bethany recently asked on Twitter, I guess she learned that most people sleep with pillows and this was like 97% of people responded. I voted. Yes. I voted. Yeah. 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 So apparently 97% of people do. So I, um, there was this whole controversy with the, my pillow guy and I felt like I needed to support him in some way. And so I, I was like, I should buy a, my pillow. And then I looked online and I thought to myself, like, do I really want to spend $80 for something I don't use? I feel like that's not a, be- a good use of my money. Um, it's when you so, realize that you don't use pillows and other people. Right, do. right. And so I was like, is that normal? Do other people not use pillows? And so I posted on Twitter and I got I got ratioed into orbit. Everyone said I was crazy. Apparently everyone uses pillows but me. So it's a good thing to get ratioed for, you know, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> right? uh, so you also, in addition to all the cool things that you do and run and write, you also came up with hashtag kosher19. Is that yeah. how we're calling it out loud? Are we calling it, yeah. are we pronouncing it the hashtag? Kosher, kosher19.com, whatever. Um, okay. But that's what it's branded as, kosher19. Tell us more. So on six days ago, uh, the evening, six days ago, I sort You're of had counting. <laughs> Time is moving very slowly. Corona um, years. <laughs> so I posted on Facebook, it would be cool to send pizza to my local ER. Does anyone want to go in with me on sending a couple, like 10 pies to the ER? And so I posted on Facebook and then I got on like the website for my local pizzeria, Ben Yehuda and Silver Spring. And, um, and when I was done placing the order, I came back and I looked at my PayPal and my Venmo because that's the things that I gave on my personal Facebook and people had already paid me back for it. And I was like, oh, that was very easy. <laughs> I just paid for that like $400 order with one post and 15 minutes. Um, so I thought to myself, like, what if I post on Twitter asking to fund like a floor at Columbia Presbyterian? Because I know I knew someone that worked there. Or well, worth of pizza, not the actual floor. Yeah. Not, yeah. not a dedicating pizza, wings of the hospital. But, I mean, it's like, it's not cheap. And so I posted on, on Twitter and I said like, hey, does anyone feel like doing a mitzvah today? Let's, let's feed some doctors at the ER at Columbia Presbyterian tonight. And at the end of the night, I had collected like $4,000. And so I was like, all right, well, I've got a lot of money to send for pizza. And so I started posting like, I sent pizza here, I sent pizza here, and then people kept on donating. <laughs> and then I was like, crap, I have a lot of money now. I have to like, I have to send more pizza. <laughs> And We're so, doing here very often. Yeah. So then I, I had to keep on sending pizza and I felt like I had to justify. I'm like, this is me sending pizza to NYU. This is me sending pizza to Cornell. And so I kept on posting pictures and people were like, wow, that's so cool. I'm going to send you money. And I was like, oh my God, no, I have too much money. And so after a few days, it just became unmanageable. I was like, I have $12,000. I can't do this anymore. So I called in a Hail Mary to my friend Dave, who has experience running like opening nonprofits and running nonprofits doing sort of operations and management and web. He's like a jack of all trades. Dave Weinberg. Dave? Yep. Dave Weinberg. In D- yeah. In DC. Yeah. It's on my side. Yeah. So gently ventures and he is saving my tail. Um, so he has basically, so in the middle of all this, I am renovating a house and moving in five days. Mazel tov. 
thank you. It's great timing. Stressful. You didn't <laughs> think through when you decided to buy the house, like there's going to be a global once in a century <laughs> pandemic. And like, I didn't think like, oh, I'm going to make this post on Twitter that it's going to turn into I've raised $50,000. <laughs> like, I need an accountant. I didn't think Worst about that. Worst fundraiser in the whole world. <laughs> Like, I don't want an accountant. I just want to send some pizza. But now I have an accountant. <laughs> Is this like a like a tax FOSHLA? Because we have, you, we, you have we, no idea. We're, we're starting a nonprofit. You, that's why you need to start yeah, a nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, I, it's I, going I into to. your personal Venmo. Yeah, I can't do it. They've locked me down. They think I'm a drug dealer. Yeah. I can't yeah, send yeah. money anymore on Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you collecting like, money now? So they're sending it to my Venmo, but I can't send money on Venmo anymore. I could just transfer it into my personal bank account. And so we're in the process of weird. They just don't want the, the liability or they, so I've hit my weekly transfer limit because they think I'm a drug dealer. Right. So here we are. I'm so like how a, are you dealing with drugs dealer. then? Like you're not, you're not on Venmo anymore. It's, it's getting complicated. <laughs> so what I'm doing is I'm putting it on my personal credit card and then I'm transferring money. This is why I'm getting an accountant. Got it. Getting an accountant. So we've also separately, we have a GoFundMe that has raised over $20,000 that we haven't touched yet because we're waiting for that accountant <laughs> to start to start a to start a separate account so that it has nothing to do with me anymore. Um, but yeah, it's turned into this thing we've sent in the last five days. I mean, really four days um, since this all really started, we've sent over 6,000 slices of pizza. We've raised close to $50,000. We've sent pizza to a hundred hospitals. Um, and like, we've gotten amazing. And all kosher. All, almost all kosher. Okay. There's been, there's been a couple of like, there was like an Augusta, Georgia where I was just like, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> that's fine. It's like Atlanta's two and a half hours away. Like, I'm not going to say no to you. Last time um, a Jew was there, it was a civil war. So. Right. And so I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll send Are you some pepperoni single-handedly keeping Ben Yehuda in business I'm trying so that's part of why we're doing this so there's there's three prongs to this project one that's obviously crazy Mary. one is obviously keeping all of these healthcare workers fed super important they are not and we've heard this from a lot of people we've heard that they're getting deliveries that are not kosher and it's, it stinks because all of their coworkers are chowing down on pepperoni pizza. And they are like, I, I'm working 14 hour shifts. I can't go home and make myself dinner. I can't go grocery shopping. I, they've, a million people have told us this is the only meal I've eaten today. And I would not have eaten were it not for this delivery. So keeping them fed and healthy is a really, really big priority because they need to take care of themselves because they take care of us. Um, so that's number one. Number two, our kosher restaurants are struggling. A lot have closed down already or shut down temporarily, hoping that they can reopen. Ben Yehuda told me that his volume is down over 50%. Another, another restaurant in Highland Park, New Jersey, Sushiana. Everyone go get sushi in Highland Park. He's down 50%. Like Sushiana is pretty amazing also. It's amazing. It's the I've best never, restaurant. I, a pizza place just opened down the street here in Fairlawn, and I've never felt like such a tzaddik Zevi's? Zev yeah we've been we've been keeping him in business i just sent him a thousand more dollars <laughs> so i great pizza great guy and yeah, i've never been exotic walking into a pizza shop like i'm i'm here for a for a slice yeah. you know you're welcome no no, no don't thank me I'm, I'm just a guy <laughs> 
so we're, we're trying to keep him in business. You're welcome. Okay. So <laughs> that is, I mean, and selfishly, like I'm trying, I, we, we've been ordering Passover from Charbar in DC because I'm like, if I forget to send my husband with lunch one day, Charbar has to be there. There needs to be a backup plan. Right. You can't go out of business. So we're, we're trying we have to one keep, restaurant. You got to really, I know we really have to keep them open. Yeah. So we're, we're trying to keep as many restaurants as much cash as possible because it's they're just they're struggling so much and every restaurant is struggling so much but when you add sort of the kosher supervision cost on top of it it's just it's and a challenge che- kosher cheese is weirdly expensive yeah it is i think the markup on cheese is more than the markup on me i'm not sure but really? oh that's I- funny because i sometimes to torture myself over my life decisions take a stroll through costco <laughs> non-kosher and i'm like yeah, and then yeah, I yeah, like the shift into the cheese. yeah. I've, but I've never looked at the cheese. I've always tortured myself over the non-kosher meat prices. That's I'm, something new to torture myself over. I'm here to make your though. Costco trip even Thank worse. You. Thank you. So that's the second prong, and the third prong is kind of like good PR for the Jewish community. Um, there has been, as you can expect, a lot of nastiness sort of spread about. The, the people who are the victims of this, like, oh, they're still organizing Minyanim and they're, they're, they're breaking up our funeral in Brooklyn. And 99% of Orthodox Jews are adhering to all of the recommendations, more so than, the, than people who are not, that are outside of the Orthodox community. But sure. it's the Orthodox Jews who are being labeled as non-compliant. Sure. I and mean, the RCDC went ahead of the curve by like a week on uh, shutting down Minyanim. Yeah. And yes. uh, certainly ahead of the most of the Christian world. Yeah, Correct. but but you're right. We'll find a way to blame the Jews. Right, of course, because you knew that was coming. And so this is like a nice PR thing for the Jewish community to send pizza in the middle of these ground zero sites. In Brookdale in, in Brooklyn, we, we sent pizza for the entire ER, 45, 45 pies. Lincoln in the Bronx, we were selling, we're sending 50 pies tomorrow or Thursday, but we're, we're sending to these massive hospitals that are in the middle of these hotspots. We're like, we're not holding back. Like we're, we're sending the entire ICU floors, the entire ER floors. Like, and we, we want it to be clear that it's from the Jewish community. They it's coming with the kosher seal with the star of David right on it. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you got to seal that tape. And it's, it's clearly coming from Jews. And, And I think that that sends an important message to the people who are taking care of our people that like, thank you. We, we value you. And I think that that, that goes a long way to combating anti-Semitism. I think it goes a long way to showing our appreciation and, and it's, it's a Kiddush Hashem. It matters, by the way, like people make these decisions, these really big decisions about whether they hate Jews or not, based on very based small on very things, yes. interactions, just a, you know, one time I bumped into somebody. I mean, mm-hmm. no, and you're wearing a Yami. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, that's why they hate your entire people or love your entire people just based on, so that, that, that's a very big deal. You're making people feel loved. You are, you are uh, keeping the Jewish, the kosher restaurant economy afloat and you're, you're doing incredible PR. I'm sure you're also doing not just a groundwork PR, but you're probably doing more traditional PR. Yeah. Getting like the this. coverage, getting the stories, getting, yeah. <laughs> getting on what that is. Yeah, that's what, <laughs> that's what, we're, that's what we're doing here. So, uh, you know, I was going to, I was going to ask you, you know, I, I'm sure you're not opposed to people chipping in, but are there ways that people can help? Absolutely. We can't do, I'm like, I'm not putting this on my personal credit card forever. 
<laughs> Are you having enough points to like go to Aruba? <laughs> yeah, I could go to Aruba for fifteen dollars right now. Yeah, maybe maybe Aruba. <laughs> I don't that. need the points. But <laughs> um, yeah, China. Thirty-five dollars. <laughs> um, so they're actually paying me. Um, so yeah, so if you go to kosher19.com, there's two ways. There's Venmo, which we're being honest, I don't prefer right now. <laughs> and the other way is the GoFundMe. And we've raised, last I checked, $20,000. Um, I had set the original goal at $18,000, um, which was, uh, in retrospect, a giant mistake. And I should have set it much higher. So now it is at $100,000. Does it matter? Already... I'm saying that, that goal? No, mark? no. It's just like mentality-wise. Like I should have set my bar higher. I should, I should be expecting more because I raised $50,000 in four days. So I really should have asked for more than 18 on the GoFundMe. You've like, you really, you've broken yourself as a fundraiser because now you're like, oh, 50,000. I know. <laughs> um, but a lot of that is spent. We've sent 6,000 <laughs> slices of pizza. Like this is, and it's all, all volunteer. We had a separate um, donor who messaged me privately to pay for some of the sort of startup cost of getting the website built, all of those things. A separate donor has just sent me a message on Twitter and was like, can I, can I zell you money for that? And I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> thank you. <laughs> Appreciate that. The Campton's um, probably not going to work for pizza slices. <laughs> no. So now we are 100% volunteers and we're also looking for volunteers. That's a major thing. So if people want to start making deliveries, not making deliveries, making orders for us and doing some of the legwork and calling kosher restaurants and calling in deliveries and sort of being a foot soldier in this, we need as much help as we can get. Um, so people want to email volunteers at kosher19.com. Help us, please. <laughs> and if people want to share the GoFundMe or share kosher19.com, um, send it to your your bubby and tell her, tell her she should do it. <laughs> They're making a Kiddush Hashem, Bubby. Yeah, it's a huge Kiddush Hashem. And, and like, it's all of our favorite things. It's feeding people, feeding doctors. <laughs> nice Jewish doctors. Nice Jewish doctors. And then, like, keeping our businesses in business and some good PR. It's, like, win, 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 all for the slice of a pizza. I, I love that. So, kosher19.com, and that's the money and also you need some legwork you need some people to actually pick up the phone that's volunteer email volunteers at kosher19.com yeah you're building out a small army sounds like yes yes uh bethany I actually, before i move <laughs> <laughs> now's the time um you're gonna find like pizza slices in the unfinished parts of the house like oh. so the funny thing is i've had expired trader joe's pizza dough in my fridge and so i've made it the last two days and it's like eh, it's okay and like, become a pizza stop also right like. and so it's funny because i am like you know if my kids had any idea the amount of money i've spent on pizza in the last five days and i'm giving them expired trader joe's pizza dough right it would be pretty annoying it probably hurts to say we can't afford that you're like oh. <laughs> I don't know, there's there's a fun we're yeah. moving there's... <laughs> sorry um I really, really, really wanted to um, pivot this conversation to <laughs> talking about homeschooling because we're effectively doing it, but we are uh, we are low on time. So we're going to have to have you back another time. Please do. Maybe later in the crisis when people are really thinking about whether they want to send their, uh, maybe maybe later in the crisis is actually the wrong time. At that point, people are going to want to send their kids out, but um, we could talk about homeschooling another time. In the meantime- Are the people who are like, hmm, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe I'm considering it. Those are the people I want to hit. I want to reach. We're, we're, we, 
we are are budging that way. I'm in a basement, so I'm, I'm pointing. Oh, out. so you're talking about not the OU, but you? No, no, no. I, I do not speak on behalf of the OU. I, I barely speak on behalf of the Pardos. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't. I bet your wife. Already down here. Yeah. <laughs> um, and your daughter is actually. Is. Yeah. Yeah. You've you've yeah. contributed basically the name. I I represent. I barely represent David Pardo. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're 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 actually a big fan of having the kids around. So. It's great. We'll see. We'll talk about that another time. In the meantime, though, good luck on your move. Thanks. Um, it should all go well and smoothly. And good luck on starting a new nonprof in a time where other ones are closing down. <laughs> yeah. But you're really, um, it, that's incredible. It's I an mean, incredible story. And yeah. um, kosher19.com, volunteers at kosher19.com, and Venmo, not Venmo. Not Venmo. Fund me. Not Venmo. Forget Venmo. <laughs> Venmo is me. not a sponsor of this program. Go fund me. <laughs> Thanks, David. Bethany, thank you. Thank you, Rabbi Pardo. We'll see ya. Bye. Um, so that's amazing. That's a wrap. Rabbi Einhorn on ways to make your Seder an incredible uh, mikdash me'at. And Bethany Mandel, you can actually have an idea in the middle of the night and turn it into an entire organization. Um, a movement really to uh, to feed people who need to be fed and send them love and keep your local establishments open. So look at that. Um, a lot of us feel like we're cooped up here inside our houses. Like Rabbi Einhorn said, the view is the same from everywhere, but that does not mean that we need to shut down. There's still plenty to do. So your homework is to start a new nonprofit. <laughs> No, but your homework really is to uh, apply those creative energies and still do great things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to do were it not for this crisis. In the meantime, this is OU Live, Rabbi David Pardo, signing out.